You're listening to Bricks and Clicks, presented by MarketScale, with your host, Jennifer Kalo Ruskin. Welcome to the Bricks and Clicks podcast. I'm Jennifer Ruskin, your host, and my guest today, Allie Ball, was a former buyer at BuyRight and now runs Retail Ready, an online course helping food companies grow their sales, both in brick and mortar and online. Allie also hosts Food Biz Whiz podcast that's all about launching, growing, and scaling a packaged product in the food industry. Allie, welcome. I'm so glad to finally have you on. Me too, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted. Allie had me on hers about a year ago, and it was one of my most fun podcasts that I ever did where we talked a little bit about Amazon. Um, And I still share that one today. I love it. Yeah, Jennifer, that was such a great episode. And I'll tell you, it's one of my most downloaded because I think that, I mean, I think the title was, should you be on Amazon or something really straightforward like that, that people, people just want to know, right? Yeah, for sure. And I'll go ahead and add that into our show notes. So if anybody listening today to our podcast together wants to head back over to the other one and hear that discussion. But Allie, I love I love your background as a buyer. I, I think that's what draws the two of us together is our background in retail. And I know you like me can't believe how fast things have changed in retail since COVID. And you've done so many amazing things within your group that I'm a, I'm a little jealous that I'm not in it. I really I need to go join Retail Ready just so I can hear everything that's happening with you and your group. But talk to me what you're feeling and seeing on your end, since you're a little bit more brick and mortar, and I'm definitely more online. What's changed for you since COVID? Gosh, I this is a really great question. And a lot has changed and a lot has stayed the same. So let's see, in mid-March, COVID hit hard. We, I think the cancellation of Expo West was that big eye-opening event in our industry where we were like, oh gosh, this is something that that is impacting our industry. This is something that is, is not going away. Like we have to respond so quickly. And so I gotta tell you, Jennifer, those, the first 30 days after Expo West was canceled, so mid-March to mid-April, people panicked, right? We saw panic on all different levels. We saw panics, panic and like anxiety from consumers who were freaking out, figuring out how they were going to get their groceries. We saw like people stockpiling and filling their pantries. Brick and mortar sales were through the roof as basket averages were skyrocketing. You know, e-commerce just took off. Like, I mean, grocery industry went nuts for those first 30 days. And I think, you know, speaking about it from the producer perspective, buyers were frozen, right? No, all buyer meetings canceled, all phone calls not returned, all hands on deck trying to support the the retail sales floor. Um, and that's when we really saw, at least in my student group, that's really when we saw the producer freak out as well, right? Because <laughs> it's like, oh, shoot, like, what what am I going to do? My my plans for 2020 have gone out the window, right? I planned to, to show at Expo West. I had all of these, you know, these incredible meetings set up and I felt all this momentum. And then the carpet was pulled out from underneath my feet. So that was the first 30 days. <laughs> and luckily, here we are. Gosh, almost four months later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and things have shifted. You know, I don't want to say return to normal, but things have shifted again where buyers are taking meetings again. 
we have introduced the idea of a virtual pitch, right? People are doing, organizations are doing virtual trade shows and all of a sudden there are little glimpses of hope again. And Jennifer, I'll tell you, after that initial 30 day freak out, once we got to mid April, we were seeing, at least within Retail Ready, we were seeing products getting pick, picked up by distributors again, new contracts negotiated with, with brokers. We had one student ship to over 300 Walmart stores in mid-April. We had people get into Erewhon. I mean, I think, I think we saw this collective freakout and then we saw this collective uh, if you could see me on screen right now, I'm like doing a sigh of relief of <laughs> uh, this collective like sigh of relief, realizing that yes, it shifted, but no, it's not the end of the world for food and beverage. I'm thinking back to March because we were both headed over to Expo West, like literally as everything was starting to lock down. And I think about that month, that was really the full month of March because we were going heading to Expo early that month. That's when I think as a brand owner that you realize that your shit was together or it was not. You know, if you had totally neglected online and totally neglected direct to consumer and totally neglected your website and totally neglected any other way to sell other than in a store, you were totally screwed at that point. And I saw so many brands scramble to try to figure it out. Did you see that within your group? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll be honest, the the retail ready students who had joined six months prior or, you know, a year ago or two years ago who put the systems in place to have that omni-channel strategy were the ones who weathered the past 90 days in a, <laughs> a little bit better than the others who were scrambling, right? And, you know, Jennifer, I think you touched on it here, but even that idea of do you have an email list? How does your website convert? Like, are you sending, do you have an abandoned cart sequence in place? Like all of these things were really important to have in place before COVID went down so that you weren't scrambling to play catch up. And that's what I love so much about your course. And I mean, this whole podcast is not me just trying to pitch people into retail ready, but um, <laughs> I'm such a small cog in the wheel for my clients and my students just only focusing on really Amazon and a little bit with Walmart that I don't get the opportunity to teach them all of this. And I feel like, God, there's so many of my clients that need to go through your program and I will make sure that they all listen to this podcast because you're right. It's, and I'm like, I talk till I'm blue in the face about, you know, do you have an email capture form on your website? And they look at me like I'm crazy because they just don't think it's important. If it's not millions of dollars in purchase orders to Walmart, they're like, well, what's, you know, what, how, why is that worth it to me? Why is it worth my time and energy to put a pop-up box? But they don't understand that emails are being opened like never before. We're all working from home. We're all working from our computers and our laptops. And we're kind of excited when an email comes in and it's trying to sell us something that's relevant. You know, we want that. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's hard, Jennifer, at the beginning, you know, when you're a busy business owner and there are so many decisions to be made, it's, it's natural that you would focus on the things that drive revenue, right? So like people come into retail ready, or I'm sure people hire you and they're like, get me sales, right? I am joining your program because I want sales. But the thing that, that I love about 
building a business is realizing realizing that all of these pieces that come together that ultimately lead to the sale are are equally as important as getting that first PO. Yeah, and we don't stop as business owners at the beginning of our business to make sure that the foundation is so sturdy and that we have all those little hooks in there that we should. Instead, to your point, it's like, how do I just get a sale? How do I just get in a retailer? How do I just get online? How do I just, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I? And you kind of duct tape everything together till you hit around half a million to a million in sales. And then you look back and you're like, oh no, <laughs> my website looks mm-hmm. like trash. Yes. I don't even have a brand yeah. guide for my product. And and I still run across that all the time with my clients. And I'm like, how how did you make millions of dollars without a style font guide? I don't even understand that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jennifer, I think you're spot on here, right? That idea that you can, you know, you hustle and hustle and hustle and you get to a certain point and your growth, you, you hit a level of growth and then the cracks start appearing. And you're like, oh gosh, like what got me here is not going to get me to that next level. Yeah, exactly. So -hmm. let's talk about now, what does it mean when you are approaching a buyer these days? What do you do? Yeah, that's a good question. What is it like? Yeah, so (laughs) (laughs) what's it it like? So the important thing to realize is that most buyer pitches are happening online right now, right? And it kind of depends on where you are regionally. The US is an enormous country, so we've got lots of different feelings happening, you know, region to region about, you know, the safety behind meeting in person. So I'll tell you, I have some retail ready students cross country who are doing in-person buyer meetings at this point. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I don't wanna say it's wild, but, it's wild, right? <laughs> I don't think I'd be ready for that if I were if I were a buyer. But so the the very cool thing, Jennifer, is that a lot of buyers, especially in corporate, are working from home. And I I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I'm so excited about this because I wish that I had the opportunity to work from home when I was a buyer because you know, I'm sure you know this, like in your buyer role, you get pulled in a million different directions. You know, I remember like literally covering the cashier if we had a busy lunch rush, right? Officially not my job, but something that I would get pulled into, you know, a few times a week. And so as a buyer, I wish I could have worked from home because it means that you get to sit down and focus and get your job done, right? And so we're actually seeing that brands are having even more luck getting buyer meetings, having their emails responded to, getting on shelf right now because the buyer is more available. And I think that that is so cool, right? So at the end of the day, a virtual pitch isn't that different than an in-person pitch, right? (laughs) Because you still have to convince the buyer that your product is a good fit for their shelves. And so that goes back to that that classic, you know, you've heard me say this so many times, Jennifer, but that classic idea that you've got one chance to make a positive impression on a buyer and you have to prove to them that your product is going to help them hit their category goals. So that might be higher sales or more margin or whatever it is, but whether you are pitching in person or you are pitching you know, over a Zoom meeting, you've got to convince that buyer to, to that you're going to help them 
meet their goals. I just keep getting this visual, but you can do it without pants on if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. So we've got, we've got one, we've got a retail ready student who is in Northern California. She makes a line of Espelette pepper blends and she, she does it all farm direct. So she is on her family farm in Northern California and she did a buyer pitch recently we practiced in retail ready where she literally is standing in a pepper field and it is just cool. so powerful. Yeah. It's so cool. And so powerful because here she is this young female farmer and she is standing in this, I gotta tell you like this gorgeous pepper field saying, this is my family's farm. This is where we grow our peppers. Look at that barn behind me. Like that's where we dry them. Look over there. That's where we process them. Oh, do you see those? five workers in the background. That's my team. And that, I don't know, that excites me, Jennifer, to like have that opportunity to show more of the behind the scenes of your, your production than you would get if you met with a buyer, you know, in the warehouse on a sitting on a milk crate in the corner. Right. But I, but I love what you said. And it was, but we practiced it in retail ready. Like we practiced it as a group. We did it in front of each other. We, because if she was to try to wing that and not have practiced it multiple times, it could have ended very badly. Yeah, that's the thing. And she was really nervous when when she practiced it. Right. And she was like, I, I, you know, that's the thing. Like we have to practice and practice. And I always say with my retail ready students, don't pitch for the first time to your dream account because you are not <laughs> going to nail it. You're going to totally flop. You know, the buyer is going to ask you a question. You're not going to have the answer. You're going to fumble and you're going to blow your shot. So I always advise that producers start start pitching to accounts that like, sure, of course you'd love to be in, right? They're aligned with your, your brand values, but that aren't those high stakes <laughs> dream accounts. I love that. So, 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 so we've talked a little bit about now you have to pitch online to a buyer. Can you talk a little bit about like physical samples? It's hard to imagine not having the same experience sitting across from a buyer, especially in food, like watching their response to putting something in their mouth or smelling something or getting to be a part of the decision of like even a different type of item that could, you know, maybe it's a different flavor. Like how, how do you do all of that virtually? Yeah, it's a really good question. So we're still seeing a lot of buyers accept products shipped to their home rather than to, to corporate headquarters. And so that's, that's neat, right? To give that buyer that unboxing experience is really fun. And, you know, like you said at the beginning of this, Jennifer, we're bored, <laughs> right? Like that buyer is bored. That buyer is just waiting for a fun package to show up at their doorstep. So I always think about that that experience as a whole, right? Like what, maybe you don't do custom boxes because you're not at the that level, but now is the time to go in on designing that unboxing experience for the buyer. So you've got your branded content in there. Maybe you're, you know, you spend a little bit more on the custom colored tissue or custom printed tissue rather than just using packing peanuts or whatever it is. And you ship that, you know, after, of course, you go back and forth with a buyer, you get their address, you ship that branded experience straight to their door and you let them that you let them curate their own experience with your product. And I, I, I don't want to say that there's so many silver linings of COVID, but I do think that there is something, something exciting about leveling the playing field here and giving 
all categories a chance to connect with buyers. Because I think about this a lot, Jennifer, and I'm sure you've had this experience too, of being a buyer and getting interested in a product that requires preparation, right? Like maybe it is a simmer sauce or coffee beans or, you know, a frozen burrito that needs to be heated up. Having that tasting experience in a warehouse on a milk crate is not the best. But if you're in a category, if you're you're a product line that really needs that that hand holding for the sample experience, now is a great time because buyers are home or buyers are still like, you know, spending more time connecting with products in a different way and you're not trying to figure out how to bring your soup to the warehouse, you know, having it stay <laughs> hot and pour it out of a little thermos anymore, right? Yep. I've done that many times. Yep, totally, totally. But and I think, you're praying so, it doesn't taste weird by the time you get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, or it's cold, or you forgot to pack the sample cups that are heat resistant and won't melt in the buyer's hands, or like whatever there is, whatever it is. There's so many, there's so many things that can go wrong when sampling. But so I think at the end of the day, the buyers are still accepting samples, but the experience is a little bit different and you as a producer might have to change how you typically present them right it's a more you have the opportunity for it to be a more branded experience which is cool so let's pretend that we have some listeners that don't understand what an unboxing experience is maybe you're a little bit more old school or maybe you've dealt with mass retail and all that matters is it arrives in a paper box you know maybe you don't do stitch fix or you don't do some of these um you know makeup boxes you don't necessarily watch youtube videos of people unboxing products like my kids do Allie, how do you recommend for them to get some ideas of what this might look like Oh, this is, I love this topic. Okay, so first I wanna dispel the myth that unboxing is just for Instagram and for <laughs> TikTok <laughs> videos, right? Like that is not what is happening here. Uh, you mentioned that your your kids like watching unboxing videos. Yeah. It's something that started with a younger generation, but I think at the end of the day, we need to realize that everyone appreciates the experience of opening something special, right? And so an unboxing experience is simply that act of literally opening up a box that comes in the mail or, you know, you whatever, pick up that box at the bakery or whatever it is, you're opening up that packaging and you are seeing the product for the first time. And so we can either have really great unboxing experiences or we can have unboxing experiences that are a letdown, right? Like we can all think of those letdown experiences. I actually can think of one. Um, I'll give you an, ex- an example, Jennifer. I bought a really nice diffuser on Amazon a couple weeks ago and it was quite expensive and I did my research and I was like, okay, the fastest way that I can get it is Amazon and I need these, <laughs> I need these essential oils in my house right now. And so I bought this, I bought this diffuser And sure enough, shipped to me in an Amazon box, shows up, you know, in that classic, classic box with the the branded tape, open it up. And that diffuser is just like rattling around in the box. It's got like a huge box, not enough bubble wrap. And the the packaging is dented and just looks, it's not, it didn't look like a $150 diffuser, right? (laughs) 
However, on the other hand, I ordered the essential oils from directly from the producer from Juniper Ridge, and I received this wonderful branded box that had this, gosh, just this beautiful watercolor design on the outside. I opened it up, I ordered a sample pack, and all five of the scents were just lined up in this gorgeous experience, right? And, you know, I think the essential oils were <laughs> a third of the price of the diffuser, but the experience was so much better, right? So right off the get-go, I valued the essential oils more. I thought that they were from a company that cared more about their product. Um, and I was really excited. I gotta say, I was excited to share it with, with my audience on social media. So for those of you who have never experienced an unboxing before, who have never thought about what this might look like for your brand, I think Jennifer, I haven't tested this, but my bet is that you could literally look at the hashtag unboxing on Instagram <laughs> or, or YouTube. You could Google unboxing experience and see what we're talking about. I love it. That's a great idea. Can okay, I give I'm one gonna, more example? I'm, Can I give yeah, one more please. brand example that would be really good? I'd love to. Um, so I did a podcast episode recently with um, one the founder of Wonderkind, and she does influencer marketing. She's based out of Austin. You would love her, Jennifer. Her name's Elle. And she sent me a box, an influencer box, from a brand called Golden Ratio, who is a... Um, alternative coffee brand and the whole unboxing experience was just magical so if somebody needs a direct brand example i would say go go and look at golden ratio because they did such a great job mm, how fun okay so we've talked about the way that you know pitching to a buyer has changed these days and, and you're saying some buyers are actually taking meetings which is totally amazing Yep. <laughs> what do you do? I mean, how would you sell more products if your buyers are not taking meetings? So basically there's like a big red X on retail or that specific category that you're just dying to get into. How in the world these days do you increase sales? Yeah. So I hate this answer, but it depends, right? It depends on what your product is and where your strengths are. If you are really, really great at digital marketing, why not go all in on paid ad spend, getting up on Amazon, you know, growing your influencer programs, you know, that go online, right? If, but again, that's if your product is appropriate for that. If you make, let's say, single serve ice cream cups, you might not try to go all in direct to consumer because you know shipping cross country is just going to be a nightmare, right? So think about where your strengths are. If you are not a brand that does well online, let's again, still, still look at the retail shelves. If you have had retail success, it's time to double down there. One of the things that I love suggesting that producers do at, time, at a time like this is reconnecting with the store staff. So one of the things that's so important, I'm sure you know this, Jennifer, is that idea that you want the store staff to love your product, right? So you want to make sure that that store staff sees your boxes when they come in. They stock them into back stock and on the floor really quickly. They notice when you're out of stock on the shelf and they're quick to restock. You want to essentially make a team of mini salespeople on the sales floor for you. And what better way to do that than connect with those teams and I think going back to this idea of sampling, 
give them samples of your product so that they recognize your product, they know what it is, they know what it tastes like, and then they they care about your product. They prioritize your product. We actually did this with a, a Retail Ready student, um, Emily, with Little Bucks. She does a line of buckwheat um, snacks and buckwheat kind of like a granola product. And when we launched into Erwan in April 2020, we sent little sample packs to all of the grocery stockers. And I got to tell you, her sales have been so strong there. And it's I'm not going to say it's directly related to nurturing that staff, but I'm sure that that has something to do with it. Now, I know every retailer doesn't allow sampling all the way down to like department manager. So do you have like a level of maybe retail size that would be okay or certain retailer brands that you love that you know will do it? Yeah, it's a really good question. So (laughs) again, it depends, Jennifer. Um, But I think those... It depends on the retailer. You know, we'll even see in specific Whole Foods regions, on the store level, they'll still accept samples, right? And, you know, we can see like, I know a couple, yeah, I was gonna say a couple, handful of Kroger's who will literally accept samples on the store level. So it just, it just depends. And I'm gonna, I'm going to say like my Kroger buyers are not going to like me saying this, but I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, (laughs) Nothing is stopping you from shipping a care package to the store. Right. Like you have to do it. You have the store address, right? Like I'm again, (laughs) like I am never in support of swinging by unannounced. I've never been in support of that pre pre COVID as well. You know, this is one of the things that I'll, I'll get on my soapbox all day about this. Don't drop by. No one wants that. Um, but if you have the store address and let me, let me see the, say the disclaimer here, Jennifer, and you're already stocked in the store, right? I'm not talking about blind shipping samples. If you are stocked in that store and you want to reconnect with the team, What's stopping you from sending samples to that to that Walmart, right? That is genius. And I have never thought of that in all my years in retail, not at <laughs> one time. I think because, you know, my background is Walmart and it's so yeah. black and white there. And yeah. there's so many things you just can't do that yep. this never even came up. But this is genius. And you guys, if you have not checked out Lil Bucks, it's L-I-L Bucks, B-U-C-K-S, their website is freaking adorable the product looks completely delicious there's cute little videos on here this would be a really great one for you guys to check out and see how she's just rocking out her website so cute yeah she did that all herself wow i know right good yeah and i love that she's one of your students so speaking of that if you would just wrap us up with We've talked about retail ready like 15 times already. I'm sure everyone is like, what is this? And who's it for? And how do I get into this program? Would you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So Retail Ready is my online course for producers of packaged product, food and beverage. And I always say like taxable grocery. So, you know, like the coffee filters of the world uh, who are looking to grow their wholesale accounts. So I have a three-step framework for connecting with your target audiences, pitching to wholesale buyers, and getting your product off the shelf into shopping baskets after we land those key accounts. Jennifer, you know a little bit about Retail Ready, but (laughs) I've been teaching it for over four years, we're about to hit 400 brands who have taken Retail Ready, and we are just 
cranking. I, I love it. I love it. So the big thing that I, the disclaimer that I always say about Retail Ready is that it is for producers who are already in production. So I don't do anything with recipe testing and you know, shelf life <laughs> extensions and, you know, any sort of that like product development, commercial kitchen background. I'm not a, I'm not a food scientist, nor do I want to be. But once you have your production figured out and you want to get into brick and mortar accounts or online wholesale accounts, like the Thrive Markets of the world, Retail Ready is the place to do that. Awesome. And how can they find out more about it? Yeah, so I've got a wait list for Retail Ready. We open enrollment throughout the year. So you can find it on my website at alleyball.com slash retail ready, or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm on Instagram all the time, all day, every day, and I can send you the direct link. So you can find me on Instagram at it's alleyball. Yay! Yay. Girl, thank you so much for being on here. This was It's always fun to, to chat with you. I know you're so busy, but we love having you on. We could talk all day long. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. Thank you. Bye, Allie. 